and temporary. An existential crisis is a moment in time when people question their meaning, their purpose, and what does it mean to be alive. They question why they are here and for what end. And for some, an existential crisis can lead them on a path of destruction, looking for moments of pleasure in sex, alcohol, and drugs, a path that progresses down a spiral from bad to worse. And for others, an existential crisis can lead them on a path of discovery. They start on a journey to find themselves, a journey to create meaning. Uh, we know of one Christian who, in their early life, went through an existential crisis and for a time found peace and happiness in all things new age. However, much later in life, they realized that all things new age had not satisfied their existential longings, why they were here, and for what purpose. Uh, perhaps you're here today. You have come to church with existential questions, hoping to find answers. Or perhaps it was those existential questions years ago which brought you to church and the longings of those questions have been answered in the gospel and the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done. There are big questions asked by those going through hard times. Why am I here? Why is there suffering? Is there hope after death? What happens when I die? What is my purpose for being here? Will I ever experience happiness again? Will there always be evil? If you are wrestling with such questions, it's my prayer that some of your questions will be answered either today or very soon through the reading, teaching and preaching of God's word and fellowship with God's people. Friends, this morning we're going to look together at John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And the main take-home take message I have for us today is, Jesus, the Word, gives life and hope. Jesus, the Word, gives life and hope. And I have three points that we're going to be working from. First, the Word is life. Second, the Word is light for humanity. And third, the word has defeated the darkness. As we look at our passage, let's become before our great God in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for this time together in your word. And we pray for those in our midst who are wrestling at the moment and have big questions before them about meaning and life. And Father, we pray that through your word, whether that is today, or sometime in the future. Lord, we pray that you would provide them with answers. Our Lord, please be with us now as we come to your word. Help us to grow in a better understanding of who you are and who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we pray all this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. As we read our passage, we read, In him was life. And this is the focus of our first point. The Word is life. Uh, if you were here with us last week, we looked at verse 3, and we learned that Jesus, the Word, created all things, and He ordained all things. 
Having looked at verse 3, we may assume that John is trying to tell us that Jesus provides life, as in physical life, to all his creation. And this would be a fair assumption to make. But at this point in the prologue, John is actually transitioning away from creation and shifting gears and making us not focus on creation, but rather on redemption. John wants us not to focus on the life that was given by the word at creation, but at the life offered by the word in the gospel. In the gospel of John, life is mentioned 36 times. And John speaks more than any other gospel, more than any other New Testament book about the topic of life. And when John talks about life, he is referring to eternal life. Let me just read out three passages of John's gospel to illustrate this. First, John chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not, have, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And John 4, 13 to 14, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And John 6, 35 to 40. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. And Jesus came to save. Jesus came to give life. And that life was eternal life. But what exactly is eternal life? And why do people need it? Well, eternal life is life to the full. It is a life without pain. It is a life without suffering. It is life with the triune God in the new heavens and the new earth. When God created the world, he made it good with no suffering or pain. Friends, last week, in addition to learning that Jesus created and ordained all things, we also covered that Jesus is not the author of sin. But sin entered the world through our first parents, Adam and Eve. And when sin entered the world, Death entered the world, and because death entered, its prelude, pain, suffering, illness, disaster, and evil entered also. And because of sin, we could no longer experience life to the full. We could no longer be in God's presence, for in God's presence, 
there is no sin. So because of sin, humanity was cast away from God's presence and we're going to experience the full measure of death. And the full measure of death is God's condemnation, which without Jesus, we already we are already under. John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And what is God's judgment? Well, Scripture calls it the second death. Eternal judgment, eternal fire, eternal punishment, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Colloquially, we know this place as hell. The full measure of death is hell. This is bad news. That without Jesus, because of our sin, we stand condemned already. As ACDC remind us in their song, we have a one-way ride. And this one-way ride is on the highway to hell. But the good news, the good news and what John tells us in his gospel, is that there is a way to get off the highway. And that way is through Jesus. Jesus came to give life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And all who look to him, as in who put their faith and trust in what Jesus has done, namely what Jesus has done for us on that cross, they will have eternal life. Have you done that? Have you done that cornerstone? Have we looked to Jesus? Do we believe that on the cross he has taken our sin and our punishment? We come before God and we ask those big questions. What is the purpose of life? What will happen after death? Is there ever an end to the suffering? And Jesus provides us with an answer. Those who put their faith and trust in his work, he will raise them up on the last day and give them eternal life. Life to the full. The life we were made to have that is free from death, free from suffering, and free from pain. So have we done that cornerstone? Have we put our faith and trust in Jesus? Jesus came to give life, and he came to give life to a broken humanity. And this leads us now to our second point. Point number two, the word is light for humanity. Have a look again at our passage. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Our passage is saying that the light was for all mankind. 
Uh, Jesus did not come to save dogs and cats. He came to save humanity. He came to give eternal life to humanity. But it's more than just granting life. Our passage says that Jesus came to give them light. In our first week in our series, we said that the prologue introduces themes that will be fleshed out in the rest of the book. We said that the prologue is very much like a trailer to a movie. And if you want to know more of what John says here in this prologue, then you need to read the rest of the book. Here in the prologue, John introduces us to themes of light and darkness. He tells us that humanity naturally lives in darkness. John 12, 46 says that whoever is in Jesus no longer remains in the darkness. What is this suggesting? Uh, This is suggesting that darkness is humanity's starting point. That when you were born, you were born into spiritual darkness. John 12.35 tells us that in this darkness, it is a place where we don't know where we are going, a place where we stumble, a place where we trip. In other words, this darkness, it's a place where sin masters us. Sin controls us. For we are at the mercy of this environment. And this is a place that's alienated from God. Where life and light are not found. I remember once taking a cave tour. And the tour guide talked about the conditions that miners were in centuries ago before electricity. And how each miner worked by a single candlelight. And each candle was hundreds of meters away from the next. And then he turned off all the lights. And he lit one single light, the strength of a candle. And he showed us the conditions that these miners were in. Besides the candle, the cave was completely pitch black. Can you imagine if the candle went out? Stuck hundreds and hundreds of meters away from the surface. You would have been completely at the mercy of the cave, alienated from the rest of humanity, life trapped in perpetual darkness with no way of getting out. That's us. That's us in our sinful state. On our own, without the light, without Jesus, we can't find God. Jesus is the divine Son who reveals the Father. Without Jesus, we can't know the Father. And more than that, without Jesus, we don't want to know. We don't want to even find the Father. Listen to what John says in chapter 3. People love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. John wants us to know that Jesus came more than just to give eternal life. If eternal life was the goal, then God at the end of time just could have done some sort of divine separation, separating some of humanity to experience eternal life and the rest to experience eternal death. 
But what is the problem with that? Well, it doesn't deal with the problem of sin. That while we lived in darkness, we lived in disobedience. We sinned against God. For God to be loving and just, he needs to punish sin. Sin has a consequence, and that consequence must be given. If we let a serial killer go free, then justice would not be done. Nor would it be a loving thing for the victims, nor the rest of society. So when God punishes sin, it is both loving and just. So God needs to deal with sin. He needs to deal with the darkness that we are in, and that is in us. Our Old Testament reading from Isaiah says that we were walking in darkness, but then we saw a great light. What was this great light? This great light is Jesus. This is why John says that Jesus came to also give light. Jesus came to deal with the darkness. Jesus needed to take those who belonged to him out of darkness and transfer them into light. How does Jesus take us out of darkness and transfer us into light? Well, it's through following Jesus, having faith in Jesus, abiding in his ways, and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. And you are able to do this because Jesus is the one who takes you out of darkness and into light by not just giving you eternal life, but also giving you new life. New life born of the Spirit. In John 3, Jesus meets with Nicodemus and he says that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He says further, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus that we must be born again by the Spirit. And I want to suggest that Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit. That it is the Holy Spirit who gives us new life. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things and is there to remind us of what Jesus has taught his disciples. He will guide us in all truth and he will only testify of what has been made known to him by Jesus. So friends, let me ask at this point, have we received the Holy Spirit? Have we been given new life? Have we been taken out of darkness? Have we been transferred into the light? Have we been given eternal life? How do you know that you have received the Holy Spirit? You know you've received the Holy Spirit, been given you life and are walking in the light by how you live, by your deeds by your actions. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The Spirit drives us to live for Jesus, to no longer live by our, flesh, by, no longer live by our fleshly and worldly desires, but to now live for God, to seek Him and follow His ways. So are you doing that? Are you living? Are you seeking God? Are we living for God are we li or are we living for self? Living for this world? 
but some here will grieve and say, but, still, but sin still rages within me. There is still darkness in my heart. Have I been born again or have I not? To those feeling this, let me address your concerns in our third point. Point number three, the word has defeated the darkness. Let me read from verse five. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A darkness is the absence of light. So where the light shines, darkness cannot abide. And where does Jesus shine in the darkness? Where is darkness defeated? Well, it's in the work of the cross. Listen to what John says in chapter 12, verses 31 to 32. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. My friends, do we see that in the cross, two events happen simultaneously? First, Satan is driven out. And then people are brought out of darkness and into light. Jesus draws to himself people who dwell in darkness, to be in his marvelous light. Now, Satan has been defeated. The war has been lost. But yet a battle still rages on. Until Christ returns and casts the devil and his minions into the lake of fire, the second death, the devil is still going to torment God's people. John says in the book of Revelation, when the, when the dragon, this is Satan, saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman, the church, who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river, to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. From this passage, I want to draw two things. First, that Satan is going to wage war against God's people. He is going to be ruthless. He will, like he did to Adam and Eve, make us stumble, deceive us, and cause us to sin. He will do this by accusing us, telling us lies, and tempting us. But look also what our passage says. That try as he might... Satan cannot destroy the church. He cannot overpower her. He cannot harm her. For he has already lost the war. In Jesus, sin no longer has any power over us. Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, 
which stood, uh, which stood us against, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authority, he has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And because of Jesus, because of his work on the cross, he has disarmed. He has taken the power of those that kept us in sin and controlled us. Those powers and authorities were defeated by Christ on the cross. He did this by banishing the darkness by his wonderful and glorious light. Uh, yes, there will be times when the Christian will fall, that it may seem that the devil even has the upper hand. But know this, he has already lost the war. For while you are uncircumcised in the flesh, dead in your sins, Christ saved you and gave you new life. And he who started a good work in you will carry it on, to its completion. Our friends, we stand already victorious. Ephesians tells us that we already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. When Paul says this, he wants to tell us that our salvation is so secure. It's so secure. Sometimes we can tend to see our lives from only our perspective, that we are still dealing with sin. But from Christ's perspective, and this is what Paul is trying to tell us. That sin has already been dealt with. On the cross, Christian. Christian, your salvation is so secure. And this is why Paul says, you are already seated in the heavenly places. So take comfort. Take comfort that Christ in his death and his resurrection has placed you already in the heavenly places. Trust in Jesus' work on the cross and don't believe the devil's lies. Jesus, the word, is light and he has already defeated the darkness. Jesus, the word, is life. He has already secured for you eternal life through the cross. If you are here today, and you have big questions that you are bringing before God. It's my prayer that you have found some of your answers in the Lord Jesus. The work that He has done and is still doing. But if you still have questions, then I invite you to keep coming to church. Continuing learning what God's Word says. And please keep continuing to bring your questions to God in prayer. And on that note, let's spend some time in prayer together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you in him there is life and light. Father, we pray that as in the midst of our struggles and worries, that you would teach us to cling to our Savior, cling to Jesus. And Father, we pray, keep reminding us of the life and light that are found in him. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks, musicians.